A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, awesome. Um, so this is something that I really love talking about in general, not just even in the scope of game, but just in the scope of life, right? I love, I love words, I love talking, and I wanna teach you guys how to use words in game, how to be more charismatic, and then hopefully, like my, my little side goal from this is I hope every one of you loves language just a little bit more at the end of this too, right? Um, so that's kinda what I wanna do with you guys. Um, so goals of this talk, number one, first of all, charisma and communication, it does start with an attitude. I'm gonna teach you lots of skills, but the attitude, um, the desire, to communicate in the right way, the desire to be charismatic, to captivate, matters as much as the skill, and without the desire, the skill will never manifest. And I'm gonna teach you general communication and general like how to convey you um, for probably the first half of this, and then the second half, we're gonna deal directly with flirtation, okay? So first half will be applicable to everyone. Uh, the last half will be more applicable specifically to girls. Although, interestingly enough, although you call it flirtation, there is a lot of like kidding and banter that still exists between men as well. It doesn't mean you have to have you know, sex with each other, but you can, you can still banter, you can still like kind of flirt almost with men. You can still have that wordplay. Um, and then obviously, um, we'll talk a little bit about language in general. Okay, so the first thing is attitude and philosophy. And like I said, that's the basis for everything. So the first thing, and this is a quote from a book called Making People Talk. And I'm on a personal mission to make that book like cost like $1,000 a copy. <laughs> um, so it's an inside joke for some people. Um, it's, it's a book on conversation I started recommending when it was like cost like $10 a copy and it's out of print. So now it's like this like crazy, ridiculous, expensive book. Um, but anyway, one of this guy's principles for how to talk is this, it's assuming the burden. And what it means basically, if you start a conversation with people, you need to carry that conversation. You went in, you decided to, to talk, and it's not their job to talk to you, it's your job to talk to them, at least for the first little bit, right? In game, you may have heard something called the 90-10 rule. How many people have heard of that? 90-10 rule, right? What does it mean? It means you are talking 90%, she's talking 10%. That's actually not the ideal scenario for a game. You don't wanna be talking 90% the whole time, but you need to be willing to talk that 90% if she's not willing yet. You need to be willing to assume that effort. And so a lot of being good at conversation is actually just energy and will, right? I have this metaphor, I call it the starting the lawnmower metaphor. How many of you guys had to mow the lawn as kids? Yeah, I had to. I was out in, like, out in Colorado, um, with a big yard, I had to mow it. And when you mow the lawn, you have to start the mower, right? And I had this like, old like, gas mower with a choke, right? So you pull the little choke and the engine goes, burr, 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 and then dies. 
you pull it and go, and then it dies, right? And then on like the fourth or fifth pull, finally like the engine goes and you can mow the lawn. Conversation's kind of the same way, right? No matter how well you do it, it's not guaranteed that the first thing you do is gonna work. You may go say, hey, what's up? Some little funny quip, and she responds a little bit and the conversation goes dead. And at that moment, you have a choice, right? And most guys I see talking to girls or just starting to start a conversation with anybody, their choice is to give up. They're like, oh, I tried, all right, that's it, bye, right? No, try again, try something a little different. It's not like the lawnmower's fault, it's not warmed up yet. It's not the girl's fault that she can't think of something to talk to you about yet, okay? Think of it this way. All you guys that have, you know, you go up and talk to a girl and you run out of things to say or you don't know what to say, the girl's thinking the exact same thing. Except for her, it's even worse because she has to not be socially awkward and not be a slut. Right? As a guy, if you show in some intent, at least you know, you're just being a man. Right? But she has to have that as well. Um, so sometimes they need a little time to warm into the conversation. Right? So a lot of being good at conversation is just deciding to make the conversation happen. Right? In fact, if I could give you one piece of advice, right? just one, even with no skill, decide to make the conversation happen. Decide that when it gets a little awkward, instead of being like, oh, should I give up? You're going to push through for another 20 seconds. Right? That alone will make you much, much, much better at game and much better at making friends, having conversation in general. Okay? So in the short term, it's just pure energy and will in the moment. In the long term, there is a little more to it, which is learning the skills, right? learning conversational material. If you said something that worked before, use it again. Learning the patterns of what works and learning proper delivery. Right? So in the long term, it's skills. It's kind of the same as, as, as with anything. I use a lot of sports metaphors, um, and I'm going to use one right now which is in sports, you have those people that show up on game day and that's important, right? Those are those people doing this, short-term energy and will, they're just kind of bringing the conversation and that's useful and that's important, right? But the people that are really great, they don't just come on game day, they come on practice day and they develop the skills so that they have more in their arsenal come game day, right? And so assuming the burden, there's assuming the burden right when you meet that girl and then there's doing your homework and planning ahead so you have something to say in advance. We're gonna talk about both of those. Um, okay. Proactivity of frame. You guys may have heard the idea of outcome independence. You guys heard this, this concept, outcome independence? Yeah? I don't like that concept. Not a big fan of it. Um, because I don't think it's really possible. Right? If you are truly independent of outcome, you wouldn't approach a girl in the first place. You wouldn't go start a conversation with someone in the first place. Say if you're doing like conversation for sales, you wouldn't make that sales call in the first place. Obviously, you have an outcome. Right? Without an outcome, you just you know sit and like eat potato chips on your couch or some shit. Right? So you need to have a desire for an outcome. And the desire for the outcome is going to what is what's going to move the conversation in the right direction. Right? A lot of guys talking to girls for specifically, um, they have what I call the half hour conversation to nowhere. Right? Talk and talk and talk about this random thing, this random thing, this random thing. They come back to me if it's, it's my student, you know, 20 minutes in, I'm like, what'd you talk about? They tell me some stuff. I'm like, does she know you have a penis? They're like, uh, well, I don't know, probably not. Right? They didn't get to the point. And what happens when you don't get to the point? The girl gets bored. The girl gets bored. The girl thinks you're wasting her time, right? Um, one of the things, as a, as a good example, imagine a sales situation, because a lot of game is sales, right? Game is you're selling yourself. Imagine if you went on a car lot to go buy a car, and the car salesman refused to talk to you about cars, right? He talks to you about like your family and your hobbies and what your favorite color is and what you did last weekend. 20 minutes in, he hasn't said the word car. What the fuck are you thinking? You're like you're wasting my time, you'd probably leave, right? He's outcome independent, or at least, you know, not acting through an outcome. And what's the point? There is no point, right? So if there isn't a point, it's pointless. Nobody wants to be in a pointless conversation, okay? So outcome is important, but the key thing is to have a good outcome, 
to have a win-win outcome. So if your outcome for a girl, for example, is um, I want to fuck you and like, not even get to know you and make it a terrible experience for you, yeah, that's an outcome she's not going to be on board with. But if it's, uh, you know, I want to meet you and have a great time with you and get to know each other and teach you things and travel places and, you know, have great sex, that's an outcome she can get on board with, okay? So you need an outcome. You just have to have the right outcome, right? But outcome independence I'm not a big, um, big fan of. And there must be a frame to the conversation. Random conversation will lead to random results, which means poor results. One of the things that I did personally, almost before I was learning game, but when I was starting to realize girls existed and I was starting to really decide to be social even before I formally found game, um, I did two things that were massively helpful and I encourage you guys to do something similar. First thing I did was I made, I have this, this, this notebook, I remember it to this day, it's this little red and black like mead notebook. Um, and what I did is every single time there was a phrase that I liked, or a quote that I liked, or a joke that I liked, whether I was reading, or I heard it on TV, I heard it in a movie, I wrote it down in this book, right? And that became my material, right? That became um, my, my way of expressing myself. And to this day, I can still remember like phrases from that journal, right? To, this is like, shit, how many years later? This is 19 years later. I can still remember certain phrases. I can't remember the whole journal, obviously, but I can still remember some that stuck with me. And not to say that everything in that journal was like brilliant, right? Some of it's just little silly stuff, right? Like I read, I read in a book somewhere, um, they, they, it said like making love to this girl. No, no, making love with her. It's a collaborative effort, right? It's just a silly little phrase, but it's useful. You say that to a girl, I want to make love to you. Actually, you know what? I want to make love with you. This has, there has to be a participation. It has to be a joint effort. Otherwise, it's not going to be fun for me, right? That frame is useful and is valuable, right? Or um, there's, uh, in that, there was a Mark Twain quote in there, just random or Mark Twain quote. It said, um, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug, right? Now, maybe you appreciate that quote, maybe you don't, but it's certainly more eloquent to say it that way than it is to say, like, huh, I think words matter, right? So whatever resonates with you, you're going to have your own style, you have your own sense of humor. <clears throat> Things that, that I think are really good verbally, you may not agree with. Things that you think are good verbally, I may not agree with. But the point is, find your mode of communication and do it to the utmost. And it's going to make a massive difference for you. Okay? The other thing I did, besides the personal wit journal, is I actively studied stand-up comedy. Right? There was a period of time where every single Comedy Central special and every single comedian that was on HBO, I watched it religiously. Right? Probably from like 1997, 98 to about 2000, I'm really, really well-versed in the comedy that came out during that period. Right? Not anymore. Like, I don't even know hardly any comedians now, which I should be. I'm more on top of it. But during that period when I was most actively studying game and most actively working on my verbals, I was watching stand-up comedy all the time, and I was taking notes on it. Right? If there, again, if there was a joke that I really liked, it might go in that wit journal. Right? Or what I would sometimes do is I'd actually record the format of the joke. Right? There's one I remember in particular. And, and again, as I, whatever jokes or whatever material that I, I tell you or use or lines that I use during this, this speech, you may or may not even like them. And that actually doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't even matter if you have the same sense of humor as me. It doesn't matter if you like the joke or even find it funny. The point is the principle that you want to find your own humor and you want to use it. Right? So the one I'm thinking of um, that I actually used a lot in the format, um, there was a Howie Mandel joke uh, where he basically said, you know, I, went to, I went to SeaWorld and you know, I took my family. Because you know, if you take somebody else's family, they just don't treat you the same. Right? And that was his joke. Right? It's not like the most like, crazy joke. But it was that interesting little twist, right? Using because in an interesting way. And for you know, the next 
year or two, I would do little things like that. I'd be talking, and then I just happened to have like a little twist where I'd say because some weird unexpected thing. And every single, every single time I did that, did like people laugh uproariously? No. But did it make my conversation a little bit better? Yes. Right? It made it a little more creative, a little more interesting than just this bland conversation. Let's talk about storytelling. And with respect to storytelling, there are very few things you can do in game and in, in communication that are more useful than storytelling. And the reason is it's one of the very few things that builds value and comfort at the same time. Right? How many of you guys have heard the theory of value and comfort? Are you familiar with this? Some? So the idea is, in order to sleep with a girl, you need value plus comfort. You need to show that you're a high value guy, so she'll gain value by being around you, or she could gain value from that. You need to show comfort, so she believes she can trust you, and that like, opening up to you won't be a loss for her. Right? And the problem is, here's the paradox. Most things you do that build value destroy comfort. Being dismissive and aloof, oh, I don't need you. It's high value, but she's like, oh, well, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. Or if you're like, baby, I love you, I'd do anything for you. Builds a lot of comfort, destroys value. Storytelling's beautiful because it does both at the same time, at least good storytelling, right? It builds value because you're leading the conversation, you're in control. Builds value because you can talk about positive traits, positive experiences in your life. Builds comfort because you're letting the girl get to know you, you're opening up, you're letting her get a glimpse of you, and also because it just, time elapses if you tell stories, and spending time with someone builds comfort. So storytelling is beautiful for both reasons. For that reason, storytelling in game is really, really useful. And it's something that isn't done enough nowadays. Right? In 2002, 2003, when I was first learning game, there's these long routines, long stories, probably too much storytelling in game, to be fair. Right? But it did have this positive quality. Nowadays, it's all this like random, all over the place stuff. A few stories would go a long way. Okay. So what is a story? What is a good story? Because most guys, one of the reasons they don't tell stories is because they don't tell good stories. Right? What is a story? A story is not, hey, you know, I, had the, you know, I, I drove to work today and uh, there was a lot of traffic. That's not a story. That's like a, a minor little anecdote. Right? You know you told a bad story if afterwards someone says, what happened then? Right? Or if after, after you tell a story, someone's like, so what? Right? That's when you told a bad story. And a story does not have to be that convoluted. You can tell, um, you can tell a story in like a sentence. Right? I was walking to school, a bear jumped out at me, and um, I was terrified I ran away, and I will never walk that way to school again. That's the story, technically, right? Because it has three elements. Situation, something's happening. Interruption, something interrupts it. And someone or something is changed by it, right? If you have those three things, you have the kernel of a decent story, right? As guys, however, a lot of times um, we just communicate very logically, or we're just communicating facts, and that doesn't really kick in as stories. Right? So I had a really rough day at work is not a story. Right? Or um, first I did this, then 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 I did this is not a story. Why isn't that last one a story? What's missing? There's no interruption, right? This, this is just a series of events. Okay? So you want to make sure that, that your stories have tension and they have drama. And it's very, very important. It, it, it may seem obvious to say this, but I do have to say this because of every single like, student I've ever had and I watch their stories. All right, so very important. And very, very important, the change. If there's no change at the end, then that's a so what story. That's a who cares kind of story. There's no depth to it. OK. Um, now, what, how do you tell a story? And specifically, how do you tell a story in game? And I'll kind of use like, um, kind of the, the scripted routine version of a story for this. So I'll tell you guys a story really quickly. 
and then I'll tell you a very short version of the story, and both kind of work, all right? Um, no, this is a story I haven't told in a long time, but here we go. Okay, so we're on, um, me and my friend, his name was Woody, actually, we're in, um, we're in, on, what is it? Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles, we're driving by and these like just gorgeous, stunning girls like drive up next to us in like this like 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 57 Chevy. So these are like hot girls, like classic car, like just like a moment out of like a, the American dream, right? And we're sitting there in our like little like drop top Jeep uh, and as, as the girls pulled up to this light, like we are two hot guys, two hot girls, we looked over, we made eye contact and we're like, we had a moment, right? And we kind of like, we kind of like giggled. We didn't even really exchange words because then the light changed and we went on to the next light, right? And then we got to the next light and, um, you know, we, we both ended up kind of arriving at about the same time and we kind of, we giggled. We, we just threw a, a couple words back and forth, et cetera. And they were like, okay, we got to go because the light changed again. So we get to the third light and this time we actually got to the light ahead of them, right? We got there and we're there, we're there and we're like waiting for them to like pull up to us and we're like, oh, here we go. We're going to like, we're going to like actually close or do something this time, right? The girls are like rolling up, giggling. They look over and they actually got so distracted. The girl that was driving didn't fully hit the brake and she actually like rear-ended the car in front of her. And she was just like devastated. She had her brilliant, like nice little car and um, you know, she, she fucking just wrecked it. And at, at that moment we were like, we felt really bad for her, um, but we felt bad for ourselves who so couldn't close as well. But you have to imagine that moment from her, imagine that moment from her perspective though, right? Like as a guy, if you're walking, and you see a girl and you walk into like a plate glass window or whatever, that's embarrassing. But how do you explain that as a girl? Oh yeah, there was this hot guy and I just crashed my car looking at him. <laughs> so like that fucking poor girl. All right, so that's kind of an expanded story, right? And that's a story that I've, I've told in set years, I haven't told that for years, but it's a story I used to tell years ago in set. Um, now what's good about it? There's a couple things. One, um, it conveys positive traits, hot girls flirting with us, right? It's, it's interesting, it's a little bit comedic. Uh, we'll talk later about the rule of three in comedy. I did that, we had three, three different traffic lights, right? So you're setting up a pattern and then you're interrupting it. There's a lot of good things going on there. However, let's say I wanted, that, that story took, I don't know, a few minutes to tell, right? Maybe like, I don't know, we, we'll find out on the tape app. Th those of you on the internet can tell me how many minutes it was, but a few minutes to tell. Um, you could tell that same story in just a few seconds, if you had to, and it would still have some impact. Right, so you know, I was you know on Sunset Boulevard in LA. These girls pulled up to us in this amazing, nice car, and at the first light, we flirted a little bit. Then we got to the second light, and like we, we flirted and actually started talking. We're like, oh shit, things are going really well. We got to the third light. We got there just a little before them, and then they rolled up, and the girl, because she was focused on us, she forgot to hit the brake. Boom. So now I told the exact same story, right? How much faster? That's probably like one tenth the distance, one tenth the amount of time to tell that story, right? So a good story can expand or contract to the situation allotted. And a really good story, um, if there's a lot to it, it can have like you know, little segues, little takeaways. If you watch, watch a good stand-up comic, right, they'll tell a joke that's basically a simple joke. right? But along the way, they'll do all this segue to this other story, the segue to this other joke, and they'll keep coming back to it. So the story can expand and contract to become, you know, it's almost like an accordion, right? It just expands out. But fundamentally what it is is a set of bullet points. There's a few fundamental events that need to happen to make the story exist, right? And so if you want to remember stories, if you want to have good stories, you don't have to remember the whole story, just remember the bullet points, right? When I was doing like canned structured routines, the reason I could learn them so, so quickly and use them so well is that I didn't try and remember every single word. I didn't try and remember all the things I need to say. I just remember the story is bullet point one, two, three. That's a story. Very, very easy to remember, okay? And then you can tell that same story in 10 seconds or 10 minutes. All right. 
And the secret to being verbally charismatic, the biggest secret I can give you is the specifics. Okay? If I said to you, I ate a hamburger yesterday, is that an interesting phrase? Are you like captivated by that in any way? No? Some, some people are like, yes, Todd, because it was you eating it. No, whatever. All right. So that's not very good. I ate a hamburger and it's blah, right? How about I ate like the greasiest fucking like insane, like charbroiled, like tenderized, just almost like orgasm on a bun yesterday. It was insane. It was so fucking delicious. It was like the juices were dripping down my mouth and I like, I couldn't, eat, couldn't I didn't even want to stop and wipe it because it was so fucking good, right? Now, regardless if that sounds like a pleasant hamburger experience to you or not, it's certainly more interesting than the first one, right? And what happened? I added specifics. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance is an insanely good book just in general. It's sort of like, um, I'm told, I haven't read like the, the Tao Te Ching or whatever, but I'm told it's like basically the, 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 that, that sort of book, the, the philosophy of that book, and a lot of Buddhist philosophy, Buddhist and Taoist philosophy, all kind of wrapped into one, one book. It's all about like what is quality, what is good, and what is bad in the world. In any case, um, so I highly recommend that book in general, but there's one story from that book that's all about language that I love. And it's this, there's a teacher in college and he assigns his students just as they're like, welcome back for summer, like here's your, you know, what did I do with my summer project? Or that, that like writing assignment. Instead of that, he just gives them a random assignment. He says, you know what, you have to write a two page paper about anything in the world. Anything's, you know, easy assignment, right? I just like gave them some bullshit assignment, whatever. Now everybody came back the next week and people were massively frustrated. They like didn't know what to write about. They thought what they wrote sucked. Certain people didn't even turn it in, even though it should be super, super easy, because they were like insecure about what they'd written and they thought it was just crap, okay? And so he thought to himself, why did people have so much trouble with this? It's an easy assignment. Two pages about anything, like that's an easy assignment, right? And so he started experimenting. And so the next time he gave it, he gave it more specifically. He said, I want you to write two pages about our town, right? And so now they knew what to write about and people could make the two pages. They could write it. He got a lot of like really lame kind of blah kind of papers, but people could actually complete it, complete it. people knew what to do with it, and people could, could put some input into it, right? And so then he's like, well, that was interesting. Let's make it more specific. I want you to write a two-page paper about this street that we're on that you see when you look out the window, right? And when he did that, all of a sudden, because they had that more specific, even though they kind of had less scope, they were more focused within that scope, and it made what they came up with much, much better, almost like, you know, actually high quality, right? And so then he narrowed it even further to, you know, let's, uh, I want you to fo like start your story focusing on the top left brick of the building across from us, right? Then by getting even that specific, he got actually really, really good papers back, okay? The point here is that there's sort of like breadth and depth. You can talk about a lot of things, very little, or you can talk about a few things very deeply. And the thing that makes a good story, the thing that makes for good communication, it has to have some depth to it, which means you do have to get specific. So again, as guys, um, we typically communicate very logically. We typically communicate very much like, here's a fact, here's how you fix this engine, here's how you do this thing, here's what I want you to do. But aside from just the functional specifics, there aren't specifics. There's not emotional specifics. You're not putting yourself into it. You're not um, going deep on it, right? So in telling a story, this is another tip. In telling a story, imagine yourself there. Right? So you have your bullet points, and then imagine yourself there. Imagine yourself experiencing it. Like you're telling a story, um, and remember, was it hot or cold that day? Right? You're telling a story, and remember, like, was the sun in your eyes? You're telling a story, remember like, what shirt you were wearing. Right? Now, you may not mention it in the story, 
But the more you're actually putting yourself in that experience, the more real that story is going to become. Right? And um, those little moments of realness are what are going to really make it work. All right? So get specific. And one of the best, best places for specifics um, is another thing, another tip for becoming more expressive and, and more charismatic. If you get a chance, take comedy. Take stand-up comedy, take improv comedy. Right? And improv comedy is great. Um, it, how many people watch, have watched improv comedy in like the last year or so? Yeah, some, a little bit. So there's something in improv that I never really liked that much, um, but it's, it's useful for creating the scene, which is um, like kind of pantomiming different things, right? So you have like some object you can't see and you're like playing with it and like doing whatever, right? When I learned that when I took improv comedy class, it was really funny because instead of just like opening a refrigerator door, right? They told you, imagine the right refrigerator. Imagine like, do you have to like clutch the door in order to open it? What color is the refrigerator, right? Um, is it like against the wall or is there a counter here? The more real you're making it as you're playing it, the more real the audience is viewing it, the better it works as improv, right? And so the best improvisers, um, they, 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 they're not just like holding a hammer, they're holding like a ball peen hammer with a tiny handle that's like really heavy towards the front end, right? And that makes it real, okay? So specifics make the story real, specifics make it come alive. If you're not living the story as you're telling it, it's gonna be very flat. It's not gonna be very charismatic, all right? So get specific and live the story you're telling. So a lot of guys tell social proof stories, right? Stories to make them look good. And there's good and bad social proof stories. A good social proof story is a story that would have been good enough without the social proof elements. So that Sunset Boulevard story I told you guys, that's a funny story. It's an interesting story, right? If my story was just, hey, so the other, other day, guys, I was on Sunset Boulevard and these girls were really checking me out. It was awesome because I'm just the hotness, right? That's not a good story and that's just bragging, right? Because it's, it, it isn't a good story independently. So it is, it is important that your social proof be mixed in with decent stories. Because otherwise it will come off. Hey, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, the other day I was riding around in my yacht uh, wearing my, like, you know, $3,000, like, fucking shoes. And, uh, you know, that, that's not a good story, right? The only reason that would be a good story is if, like, like a dog shat on your $3,000 shoes and you were pissed off, then maybe, maybe the fact that they were $3,000 shoes is relevant. Does that make sense? So the, the, the braggy element or the high value element to the story has to mesh into the story, otherwise you are just bragging. The best ones are, here's some funny, interesting thing that happened to me, and then you ask yourself, what can I convey through it? Remember, situation, interruption, change, right? So um, what information can I convey? What, what change can I convey that's very interesting, right? Or um, what, how can I mold the situation to, to convey me in the, in the best possible light? Those kind of things. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, and so those, those elements should come out. Another thing that you can do with storytelling that's, that's really useful is you can lead through storytelling, right? There's um, a story that um, is old school routine. I'll tell it very quickly because it, be, it can be very, very long, right? I'll tell you the very short version of this routine. It's called the 100% Perfect Girl Story, right? Anybody familiar with this one? Yeah, a couple of people? Okay. So basically, the very short version of it is this. There's, there's this man and this woman, um, and they're at a marketplace, and they, they see each other from across the marketplace, and they start walking towards each other, and their eyes meet, and it's electric, and it's amazing. And they walk closer, and it's even more amazing. They walk closer, 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 and they walk right past each other without talking to each other. And at that moment, they've lost that opportunity to meet each other. But then they both turn around, and they say hi to each other, in that one special moment, and they start talking, and they talk, and they love it, and it's amazing, um, and they talk until the sun goes down. But now it's come to the end of the day, and they have to both go home to their families, um, and they decide to leave it to fate. Instead of exchanging information or trying to meet up again, they say, you know what, if we meet again, it was meant to be. 
and then we will get married, right? And so they leave, they go home, they go their separate ways. And then um, the next day, they both get up excited, and they go, they go about their chores in the village, and they keep looking around the corner hoping to see the other one, but neither one sees the other one. And the next day, they wake up excited, and they do it again. And this keeps happening day after day, but each day they're getting a little bit less excited, a little bit less excited, until over a period of weeks, months, and years, they eventually kind of forget about it and they give up. And then a plague hits the village. Everybody, like, gets sick. And I'm, I'm cutting the story kind of short because I don't want to go long. Plague hits the village. Everybody gets sick. Both the boy and the girl end up in a hospital, right? And they end up on a separate wings of the hospital. And then um, one day, they're walking across the hospital. They're in different ends of the hallway. They walk towards each other and their eyes meet. And they have this vague recollection of this feeling they had years and years and years ago. And they walk towards each other and they walk closer and they feel a little more, feel a little more. And they walk past each other. And this time neither one of them turns around, they both go on with their lives. Because too much had happened and they were changed people and the moment was lost. Right? And that's the story that I tell in game. Right? And it's interesting because like everybody, the girl thinks it's like, oh God, it's gonna be this happy ending and they're waiting for it. And they tell this really like devastating, sad story, right? They're like, that's a terrible story. That's awful. Right? They say, no, no, it's a beautiful story because here's the thing. Fate doesn't work by itself. You have to seize the moment. If you don't take care of your fate, if you don't seize opportunities when they come, the opportunities will be lost to you in life. Right? And so I think it's a beautiful thing because it gives us control in our own lives. Right? So in that story, there's a long-winded way to get there, but in that story, what am I doing? I'm conveying this idea of if I'm with a girl and things are going well, that we better take action on that. We better capitalize on that. She better come home with me tonight, or we better exchange numbers, or whatever, right? And so I'm leading the message I want to be the case through the story. But again, it's also a good story. Like, that was also kind of an interesting story. It's not just like a blah story. The best way is if you just have a lot of stories. Like, for example, I didn't come here trying to, like, I didn't plan on telling you guys the 100% perfect girl story. That was not in the script, right? But I happen to have that story in the back and I told it to you guys. In fact, the, the like, Sunset Boulevard story, I wasn't planning on telling you that one either. Right? Again, it's just one that I happen to have. There was a moment where it kind of made sense to illustrate a point, so I used that story. Right? And that's, I think, the ideal thing. In order to do that, though, you have to understand the context. You have to understand what you're trying to achieve and where you're at, so you know when it's the right time. Um, and in learning that, I think scripting stories can be useful. Right? I, I will not underestimate the value of the fact that from about 2001 to about 2004, I was heavily scripted and I was planning out what story goes where. Because having done that lets me know, you know what stories go where. So I think it really can go either way, but I think the long-term goal should be that you just have that abundance of material and then it, it, like, it just comes up at the right time. Right? That's also the most natural way. Right? Because if you're planning on, I'm going to do this and then this and then this and then this, you're not paying attention to the girl and you're not adjusting to what's going on. Whereas if you're in the moment adjusting and just at, you have all the stuff at the ready, now it's actually going to be more charismatic and better because it's going to have fit the moment. Right? Um, last kind of concept on that, which is unrelated to, to verbals, but it's very related to game, is this concept they say, um, yesterday's epiphany is tomorrow's crutch. Right? And what that basically means is, you learn this, this bit of like scripted game, and at first it's exciting to you and you, you want to use it and it works really well. And then you keep using it and it actually works even better because you get polished with it. But at a certain point it starts working really badly because you start doing it because it works as opposed to because you want to say it and your soul is no longer in it. Right? And then it's become a crutch and then it doesn't work anymore. Right? So um, there's such a thing as good stories or good material and there's such a thing as the material you're actually interested in talking about. And so for it to be good, not only does it have to be empirically good, you have to actually be interested in it as well. Otherwise, it'll come off flat. Does that make sense? And that comes down to that very first slide where I talk about attitude, right? Having the attitude, having, having it be fun. All right. 
Um, let's talk about humor. Um, so the first thing in humor, and this is again from, um, this is a, a chapter title in that book, Making People Talk. It's called Penetrate the Ostensible, right? And penetrate the ostensible basically means go beyond the obvious. Go beyond the obvious, right? Um, every single time somebody says a sentence, there's the obvious literal meaning of the sentence. And every single time someone says a sentence, there's something else in that sentence, okay? So for example, um, you, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? Software engineer. You're like questioning it. Are you sure? Are you, are you sure you're a software engineer? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Do you like your job? Yep. Awesome. Right? Okay. So what, what was the extra there? Right? There's a couple things. Right? So software engineer is the literal answer. Right? But what else is there? Is the fact that he, he paused and hesitated and was unsure. And the fact that like his voice sounded like a question. Right? So the ostensible is I'm a software engineer. The, the beyond the ostensible is all the like nonverbals around it, all the conveyances around it. And that's an area that you could, you could play on, you could tease. Does that make sense? The other thing is intonation, right? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat a phrase to one of you, and I want you to repeat it back to me, okay? Um, I didn't say you stole the cookie. Go ahead. I didn't say you stole the cookie. Okay, cool. Was the way he said it exactly the same way I said it? No, right? Slight different emphasis on slightly different words. And take that that sentence. There's probably a hundred different ways you could say that sentence, right? If I say I didn't say you stole the cookie, that's different than if I say I didn't say you stole the cookie. Or if I say, I didn't say you stole the cookie, right? I didn't say you stole the cookie. There's, wherever you put the emphasis, everything is changing, right? So there are all these different elements, all these different layers to conversation. And a lot of like cleverness, and even beyond cleverness, humor, is in understanding the different layers and not treating conversation as literal, okay? So seeing those little bits of intonation, or realizing that like there are words like bear, bear, and bear, that like mean different things, right? Um, or, you know, um, I was gonna say two, two, and two, but that's, that one's a little hard to misinterpret. But the point is there are words that have multiple meanings or words that imply different things. For example, the word hot can mean physically hot or it can mean sexually hot, right? So noticing all these different layers in communication, very, very useful. And it doesn't mean that every single time someone says the word hot, you have to make like a sexual joke. But it means that that's one more thing to be aware of one more thing that's possibly there that could be useful, right? So penetrate the accessible. Beware of multiple meanings, beware of words, beware of phrases, beware of intonations, beware of like cultural references, right? Maybe a word means something literally, but it means something else culturally. That can be something you can play with, right? So be aware of these things. Start to think of language not just as literal communication, but as emotional, expressive communication, and look for all those ways. Okay, so let's talk about specific humor or joke formats. And there are tons of these, but I'm just gonna give you some examples of things to be aware of. And again, what did I say at the start of this? Study humor, study language, right? So what are some examples? And again, as I tell these, number one, I'm not a professional comedian and these aren't my jokes, but they are good examples of the jokes. So if you don't find them hilarious, still learn from them. Um, so um, first one is set up punch. And the idea here is you're, you're creating a pattern, right? You're leading someone down a certain path in your communication and then you're gonna veer suddenly off that path and the surprise can be the interesting element, right? So um, a great example of this is a comedian, old, old comedian called Stephen Wright. Do you know any of his lines, right? Um, so just off the top, a couple of his, his jokes would be ones like, so I was sitting at a bar nursing a drink, my nipple was getting quite soggy, right? Just like, it's weird and bizarre, but you're thinking one thing and it takes you in a different direction, right? Another one is, um, I love to go down to like the playground and watch all this, the kids like running around and screaming. They don't know I'm just using blanks, right? 
<laughs> so again, set up and punch, right? I lead you down one path, you have one vision in your head, and then we divert from that vision. And because there's that surprise, it's very funny, okay? Um, next good joke format is rule of three, right? So rule of three, it's again about setting someone up for a particular expectation and then violating it, right? So again, my story, even though it wasn't meant to be, it's not a joke, right? My story about the, the girls in the Cadillac, it's not a joke, it's a story. But by the fact that it was the third light where that happened, it, it made it better, right? Had it been the fifth light, you would have been like, it would have been way too long, just, oh, one light, and then another light, and then another light. If it was at the second light, there wouldn't be enough pattern established, and you wouldn't have that, that expectation to be violated, right? So three is very useful. Um, for this one, I'll give you an example of a, uh, a joke. I'm sure it's been told a million times, but I heard it from Jimmy Stewart um, on like an old video that I, I watched he was in. Um, but basically, man and his wife, um, they're, they're having like an argument, and, and the wife's like, if, we're, if I were to die, would you get remarried? Which is like, you know, not the fucking question you want to ask her as a man. He's like, oh, I don't want to, this is a bullshit question. I don't want to deal with this, whatever. She's like, no, 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 seriously, this is an important question. So after she asked it like a bunch of times, finally, he's like, okay, fine. You know what? I would get remarried, sure. And she's like, okay, fine, I guess. So would you, um, if, if you got remarried, like, would you let her live in this house that's our house? He's like, well, it's a good house. I'd pro like, honestly, probably, yeah, I would. She's like, okay, fine. But you wouldn't let her, like, would you let her, like, sleep in our bed? Like, that's, that's, that's a step too far. He's like, well, it's, it's a nice bed. I mean, do you want me to, like, I mean, I understand emotionally, but you really want me to get rid of the bed? She's like, okay, fine. But you wouldn't let her use my golf clubs. And he's like, no, 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 she's left-handed. Right? <laughs> okay. So right there again, it's that rule of three, because I set you up thinking one thing, having a pattern, and then we break the pattern, right? And the fact that there is that rhythm and that violation makes it more interesting, makes it more funny, okay? Um, other great examples, callback humor, right? If there's a joke or some, some kind of frame you were playing on early on, um, you can bring that back up. And the other one I'm absolutely terrible at, but I know people who are really, really good at, is if you can do impressions. Like if as you're telling a story, if you can tell, use a funny voice, excuse me, or if it's like about a celebrity and you're able to like enact that celebrity, right? Or for example, Kevin, when he was giving my intro, right? When he did his Todd impression, all you guys laughed. Why? Because it just, it adds that little wrinkle. It adds that little bit of extra color, right? So that's another form of humor. And there's tons of these formats, right? I just gave you some of the basic ones. But again, watch some humor, see the formats. If you see a joke or hear a joke that you like or hear a story that you find funny, appreciate it, make note of it, but also ask yourself what was the thing that made it work? What was the thing, what, what was it set up punch? Was it th three things? Was it like a misinterpretation? Understand and understand your type of humor. Some of you guys are gonna love misinterpretation humor and you're gonna do tons of it. Some of you guys will love structured jokes and you'll be like the guy who holds court and can tell structured jokes and that's fine as well, right? But you need to find your humor understand it, and then be able to repeat it. And the key thing in humor, what's the exaggeration? Jokes, the comedy, it's all about the exaggeration. Almost anything can be made funny with the right exaggeration. And that's what it really is. You're taking logic, you're taking a very mundane perspective, and you're twisting it in some way. So that's what humor really is. Finally, let's talk about improvisational comedy. When I learned improvisational comedy, I went to a school called Upright Citizens Brigade, um, UCB. And they taught a particular format, which I really, really like for game, right? And what they taught basically is you're on stage, you're with someone who you're, you're kind of playing with, you're, you're making up a scene as you go, right? And at first, the scene should be normal. You shouldn't go in and like try and be whack. You shouldn't come out and like jump around like a frog necessarily unless, unless there's a strong reason to have started that way. It shouldn't just be for weirdness, right? Um, but you start out the scene, and as you start interacting, what you're looking for is the first unusual thing, okay? First unusual thing. 
And it could be anything. It could be like someone uses an unusual word. Someone uses a word that like is a 15th century word that like you, like you normally wouldn't use. That's unusual. Or say you're doing pantomime. I had one scene when I was doing improv where we were getting like sodas out of a soda machine and someone kind of like forgot their pantomime and just like, reached into the soda machine and like grabbed something out. I'm like, holy shit, Superman, right? And that, that became the funny thing was that like it's like some other thing, right? Because it was the first unusual weird thing. But you don't go in trying to be weird. You just go in observing what comes your way. Right? And this is how I think in, in games. So when I asked you the question, what do you do for a living, what was I looking for? I was looking for the first unusual thing. Right? And it could be a million different things. And it could be different with everybody. For example, you. Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a student. You're a student. OK, cool. Cool. Oh, that's a good smile. You're very happy about being a student. You're very proud of yourself. Cool. So that's the first unusual thing. So I'm a student was pretty normal, right? But then when like, he didn't know what to do, and he like, kind of, that's something unusual, that's something to play with. Does that make sense? And every single person's gonna do something unusual. For example, hey, what's up, Todd? Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Wow, that's a very strong handshake. Thank you. Good, so that's maybe an unusual thing. If it was weak, that would be an unusual thing, right? So every single interaction, every single time, it's a little bit different, and it's something you can play off. Okay, so you're always getting information, use it. Um, but anyway, the format is, what's the first unusual thing? Justify it, come up with some kind of explanation for it, and then expand it. Ex exaggerate, saying what is the exaggeration? So, for example, um, first unusual thing. I'm just so we went off the handshake, right? Strong handshake, right? Strong handshake. All right. So I'm going to explain it, right? So you're clearly trying to make up for something with that handshake, right? Not, that may or may not be true, but that's my justification, right? So if this is true, what else is true? You're, you're probably that guy that like walks down the street like body checking everybody just because he has a small penis, right? <laughs> right? So. Again, probably not true, like I'm not like making fun of him, but what did I do? I took first unusual thing, give some kind of explanation of it, and then if this is true, what else is true? It doesn't have to be hilarious, right? Don't try and be hilarious, because if you're trying to be hilarious, you're just going to come off try hard and lame. Try and be interesting, right? And if you try and be interesting, sometimes it'll be funny, right? With him, funny. With him, it was just interesting and creative, and we move on. Does that make sense? But if I was trying to be like overtly hilarious every time, it'd be very, very try-hard. It'd be very cheesy, very lame. Okay? So go for, go for interesting, go for insightful, go for witty, um, and then hilarious will happen sometimes. But if you go for hilarious and you're not like a scripted stand-up comedian, you're not going to hit hilarious most of the time. So I told you guys to watch stand-up comedians. And you're going to learn a lot about humor from them. But if you want to learn humor for game, there are certain stand-up comedians that are probably better than others. Um, it's, too, it's too bad. I can't, I, I'm trying to think of like a low-value humor comedian, and I'm not up to date on all the comedian stuff. But imagine a comedian who gets up on stage, and like his whole routine, his whole shtick is about like, uh, you know, I'm kind of a loser, or like, oh, my girlfriends like leave me because I have because I'm bald and smell funny, right? Um, if that was his like comedy routine. Huh? That's actually a decent one. He's, he's a little bit self-deprecating. He's not as bad, but he's, he's definitely of that ilk. Um, but if it's self-deprecating, like cutting yourself down humor, you are going to get laughs, but you're not achieving the fundamental purpose of game. Right? The fundamental purpose of game, the reason you're communicating in game with a girl, is to convey your most positive qualities and convey yourself as the archetype of a man who she would want to sleep with. So humor is a very useful tool because it makes you more interesting, because it makes your, you, you know, um, hold, the, hold court better, um, because it, it shows wittiness and intelligence, those kind of things. But fundamentally, if it's not showing attractive qualities, it's going to work against you instead of for you. Okay? So avoid the, we'll get to that in a second, avoid the self-deprecating humor. 
right? Some good examples of comedians who have good humor is like Dane Cook, for example, right? Dane Cook's humor, whether you like it or not as humor, right, it's very high value, very sort of like alpha male humor, right? It's not self-deprecating. It's very like, fuck you, kind of I'm doing my thing kind of humor, right? So understand there's a right and wrong way. Um, and again, understand from the previous, I think it's the previous slide, you don't have to be hilarious. I'd much rather in game be kind of interesting and high value than be hilarious and self-deprecating, right? Don't become the clown, don't become the dancing monkey. That's not the way you wanna go at all. The other purpose for humor in game, and this is very, very useful, is to diffuse tension, right? You can get away with anything if it's funny. Like for example, you wanna bring up sex, you could bring up sex in a joke a lot easier than you could bring up sex by saying, I think we should have sex, right? So the fact of humor and the fact of the distortion and exaggeration that is around humor is incredibly useful for um, getting through resistance. Humor and specifically the reframe is incredibly useful for getting over shit tests, right? I guess familiar with shit tests and reframing and all that kind of stuff, yes? Okay, good, good, good. Um, that's one of the most useful applications of humor in game is, is exactly that, is misinterpreting a shit test. It's all in like the intention and the interpretation. So for example, if I were to say, if, if I'm clearly a confident person and I say, um, we're not gonna have sex because I'd be disappointing, I'm, I'm like this, right? Um, first of all, it's, I'm disqualifying her for sex. And second of all, my overall way of conveying myself is very confident and very positive, especially if I have a like, cheeky on my face, or, like a little like cheeky grin on my face or whatever, right? That's very different than like, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm such a loser, you just, you probably wouldn't even want to hang out with me. Right, because there it seems like I'm serious about it, it seems like I'm depressed about it, it's not in good spirits, it's not like tongue in cheek, right? So a lot of it comes down to how your delivery is, um, and a lot of it comes down to the past circumstance. So if you walk up and your opener is, hey, I'm pretty lame, you probably wouldn't even want to talk to me, that's self-deprecating in a very bad way. If you've been hanging out with a girl for um, like all night and you've made out with her, and you're talking about going home and she's like, I don't know if I should come back. And you're like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty lame. You might not want to hang out with me, right? In that moment, kind of like cheeky and cocky and given the context that she clearly likes you, now it's disqualifying in the right way. Does that make sense? So it's all about like the frame. It's not like this is a word that you can't say or can say or a phrase you can or can't say. It all depends on the overall perception. Basically, if she legitimately could believe you have low self-esteem, then it's self-deprecating and, and wrong and bad, right? If she knows damn well you're kidding, then it's totally fine and it's just, you know, disqualifying or just being a little funny. Make sense? So that's kind of the distinction that I use there. Um, I'll, you and then you, yeah. Uh, so you said bring up sex in your joke. Uh-huh. Um, well, actually, the one that, that he, there is one, which is like, um, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to, uh, actually, here's a good one. Um, it's, a good, it's a good line from a movie, because I take lines from movies a lot. Um, there's a line from the movie Rounders. Um, Matt Damon gets home from a long night of poker. He's, you know, wants to have like, you know, sex with his girlfriend who's just woken up and is about to go to law school. And she's like, no, no. And he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll be quick. You won't feel a thing, right? <laughs> right? So he's, he's playing on sex, right? It's, normally that'd be bad sex, but in this case, it's, it's a good thing, right? So he's using humor to address the sex thing as opposed to no baby, please, can we, right? So that's bringing up sex in a humorous way. Um, the other one is the, the example he, like I have a small penis. Right, joking about having a small beast like a little wet carrot, that kind of thing, that old joke, right? <laughs> that is joking about sex in a, in a way to make it funny. Um, so in general, in game, you should probably want to create tension more than diffuse it, right? But there are times when it's negative tension, 
right? There are times when maybe you've overstepped, right? Um, so you, you went a little too far, that's a good time for humor, right? Or another thing is when you're just broaching a subject that like is really risky, you're still increasing the tension by broaching the subject at all, but you're lessening the risk by adding the humor, right? So I, I, I'm not a big fan of like trying to diffuse tension in the set in general, but lessening the increasing rate of it by adding some humor is a very good idea. Okay. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, let's talk about flirting. All right. So flirting, we'll give you the definition of flirting. Um, flirt, and I like this definition, to court triflingly or act amorously without serious intentions, to play at love, to coquette. Okay? Um, the key thing here is triflingly, without serious intentions, play. Okay? Flirting is not a line that you use. It's an attitude that you use. Right? The line without the attitude is terrible. Right? I'll give you an example. A student that I had years and years ago, um, we taught him the classic flirty line, like, oh, you're kind of the bad girl, right? Here's his delivery. You are a bad girl! <laughs> Without, like, a smirk on his face either, because he didn't find it funny, right? <laughs> okay, that's not going to fly, right? So he said what's a flirty line, it's a correct game line, but he said it in completely the wrong way. There was no flirtation there, right? Meanwhile, um, I can personally, with the right kind of vibe, repeat back what the girl says to her most of the time and just almost by repeating back what she says without it even being a good game line just because the vibe is right I can turn it into flirtation right I'm gonna go out on a limb here I don't I have no idea if I'm gonna be able to pull this off but I'll try it someone say something to me I'll try and repeat it back in a flirty way please please don't give me something ridiculous to work with I don't know if I can even pull this off but I'm confident enough that flirting is in an intonation that I think there's a chance I can so somebody give me something to work with say, say anything that you might say in game or that a girl might say to you or whatever you hate uh, my shirt? <laughs> right? It works, right? Give me something else. Yeah? I'm pretty sure a comet killed the dinosaurs. I'm pretty sure a uh, comet killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. What makes you so sure? What? Yeah, you're pretty obsessed with comets. You're like long, long burning hot things flying through space. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. Um, that's, that's maybe a bit far. But the point is, yeah, like a, back there. The point is, just by, reframe, just by rephrasing stuff, um, you, can, you can add a flirty nature to it. Okay? It's, in the, it's in the intonation, it's in the, the playfulness, the willingness, more than anything. Right? And also, this is true for like, physical flirtation. Right? Like, pushing a girl away could be like shoving her off, which is not flirty, or it can be like, oh, you. And that is flirty. Okay? So understand that it's, it's that playfulness more than anything. And we talked at the very start. Um, carrying the conversation, it's attitude first, technique second. Flirting very much is attitude first, technique second. If you've decided you're going to flirt with a girl, you'll come up with the right words. You'll come up with the right intonation, you'll figure it out. But the first part is deciding, and deciding that it is playful, it is joking, that kind of thing. Okay, so flirting is an attitude first, um, keyword is playful. Now push-pull is pretty much the fundamental like core of flirtation. It's I love you, I hate you. I love you, I love you not. So you say the first thing that you think of, right? And then if the thing you said, the thing you thought of was positive, you're going to follow with a negative. If it was negative, you follow with a positive. If it's neutral, you follow with either one that you like, all right? So um, I see that you're wearing glasses. That's cool. That's awesome. It means that you're very comfortable with yourself, right? Does that make sense? So that, that glasses is neutral but maybe negative, right? So follow it with a positive, right? Or if I say, like, um, you're sitting in a very tense way, I can tell you're very focused and triangular, and that's cool. 
right? Or I can be like, you're very well dressed. Clearly, you're making up for something, right? Does that make sense? So if it's positive, make it negative. Negative, positive. If it's neutral, it could be either one. You're wearing a black shirt. I fucking hate black. <laughs> Only losers wear black shirts, <laughs> right? A lot of people say, what's your opener? What do you say? You know what my favorite opener is? Hey, or hi, or hey, excuse me. I actually do hey, excuse me a lot, interestingly, even though you're not supposed to say excuse me. Hey, excuse me, I use it all the time. Um, and what I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking for their reaction. And what I'm specifically looking for is what we talked about before, the first unusual thing, right? Because every girl is going to respond differently to hey or hey, excuse me or whatever, right? So the exercise I want you guys to do as partners is this. You're going to say hi to your partner. And as they respond, you're going to look for that first unusual thing, right? And it could be their tone of voice is funny, or they pause and hesitate, or it could be they laugh, or they giggle, or they smile at you, they squeeze your hand too tight when they, 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 they shake hands, whatever it is, okay? It doesn't really matter what it is, but you're going to take that thing, you're going to notice it, right? And then you're going to do the format, justify it, and then exaggerate it, <coughs> right? So let's, let's look at a couple of these. Um, let's say, um, hey, what's up, how you doing? Good. Good. Are you, are you okay with the fact you're doing good? Are you sure you're sure good isn't just like kind of average? Like 99%. 99%. Cool. Um, so you're, you're just very laid back, right? So what I call it, I call it whatever it is. That's my, you're very laid back. You're the type of guy you'd be like at a rock concert, like, you know, checking your watch and your phone and shit, right? Whatever. Yeah, I do it all the time. Okay, cool. Right? So not like the most genius thing ever, but certainly more interesting than nothing, right? And certainly like, bringing myself into, into his world a little bit, right? So first unusual thing, justify it. If this is true, what else is true? That's the format. You guys got it? Right? And everyone's going to be a little bit different. Um, at first, go slow with it, right? At, sl at first, take your time with it, figure it out. Like anything, the more times you practice, it's going to become second nature. It's going to become intuitive. And I teach you these formats as exercises to teach you humor, not because, so what I was going to say, not because you have to do this with every girl you meet now every single time you meet her, right? This isn't the universal secret key to game. It's just another tool for your arsenal and another exercise to like kind of unleash your comedy powers. Final one we're going to do, and this one we can kind of just go around the room, is misinterpretation. Treating something very mundane as much more sexual, okay? Um, and again, when we talked about like, where I can, I can say the same thing back to you in a flirty way and make it flirty, there's something sexual in almost everything, right? So um, what we're going to do is we're going to play a little game. I'll, I'll, we can actually just go around the room one time with it and see if we can go the, oh, the whole way. But the game is called Sex With Me Is Like, okay? Let's say Sex With Me Is Like something, and then you give the reason why. So for example, if I, the thing was roller coaster. Sex With Me Is Like a roller coaster, you go up and down and up and down and up and down. Sex with me is like a roller coaster. You're going to get off exactly when I say you are, right? <laughs> Sex with me is like a roller coaster. If you ride it long enough, you're going to puke. Sex with me is like a roller coaster. There are pictures being taken of you and you least expect it, right? There's all these different ways that it could work, okay? Now, they don't all have to be brilliant. They just have to kind of make sense. So if it's like sex with me is like a chair, it's good on all fours, right? Sex with me is like a chair. You're, feel, you're sure to feel something hard against your ass, right? There's different reasons, different ways you can go with it. Sex with me is like a computer. It never stops. It never stops? <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> cool. Um, sex with me is like Philadelphia. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> Misinterpretation. One, it's not that hard. It's the attitude and the willingness to do it. 
Um, and then two, when you have the right format, good things will come out of it. I've taught you guys a bunch of techniques, more importantly or better than techniques, because techniques are these, these little things that exist in the conversation. Better yet is frame, having a interesting or a fun or a flirty frame. Right, so um, in a way, the frame can be the exaggeration. Right, so normally, when a man walks up and talks to a woman, it's like, you know, I'm a guy, I would like to sleep with you, I'm gonna try and impress you, right? That's a pretty boring frame and it's a pretty useless frame for you. On the other hand, if the frame was like, hey, excuse me, you look bored, I thought I'd come over here and entertain myself at your expense, right? That's a frame, it's kind of like flirty, fun, or whatever, right? Or if a frame was like, um, excuse me, I noticed you looking at me, I thought I'd you know, come over and you know, help you get over your shyness, right? <laughs> That's a frame, and that frame is, it's, it's cocky and funny, right? But the, the frame basically is the exaggeration of the situation, and the, the frame is in and of itself playful, right? And that's the key thing, these playful frames as opposed to logical, boring frames, right? Some other frames I like, um, walk over to a girl and act like she's your ex-girlfriend, right? That's a fun frame to play, right? Or, um, or another one that's kind of fun is you walk over to a girl like, hey, excuse me, this girl's been chasing me all night, you gotta keep me safe. Like, just like act like we're having a fun conversation just for a second, yeah, she's, she's weird, right? It's fun, it's interesting, it's playful, it's out of the ordinary, right? You're getting away from, again, when I talk about penetrate the ostensible, get out of the boring, get out of the ordinary. Do something to make it fun, do something to make it playful. Now, again, do you have to do this every single set? No, right? You can totally go up to a girl and just do a normal approach, but these are all ideas. They're all things you can do, things you can, little wrinkles you can add to make it more playful, more flirty, more interesting, right? None are, none are mandatory in and of themselves, but you have to have something in your set of this nature. So this makes sense, guys? So all these little techniques are great, little exaggerations, little flirtations, but how much better if the entire, the entire frame is, is the game, is the flirtation? Um, you guys know basically what a frame is? Right? The frame is the thing that controls the meaning. Right? So um, the frame of an interaction can be, you know, I'm trying to pick you up, and from that frame, everything's going to be kind of boring and useless and try hard. If the frame is, you're trying to pick me up, now all of a sudden, it's much, much, much better. If the frame is, um, you know, I'm over girls because like, too many girls have been hitting on me recently, now all of a sudden, that's an interesting different one. Right? If the frame is, let's see how much trouble we can get into tonight, that's a lot more fun than let's ask each other boring questions about our work all night. Right? So the frame, the idea behind the conversation, the idea of the purpose of the conversation, um, it's probably one of the first things you should be thinking about in terms of gearing the conversation more interesting. Because right? with an interesting frame, everything in it's going to get interesting. With a boring frame, you're going to have to be pretty fucking brilliant to make it interesting. Okay. Um, and that's, again, I'm talking about presuppositions, the idea that you can go in, like when you go in and talk to a girl, what are you assuming is true? Are you assuming it's true that you need to impress her? Or are you assuming it's true she needs to impress you? Are you assuming it's true that you're attractive or assuming it's true that you're not? Are you assuming it's true that, um, that she's a very sexual person or are you assuming it's true that she's a very boring, logical person? Right? It's a lot easier to assume something is true and let her prove you wrong or try to prove you wrong than it is to not assume it's true and try and create it later. Right? So you always, it's kind of like, the interaction you'd like to have, instead of asking permission to go have it, just go start having the interaction you want to and let her object if she's going to. Right? And if she does, she's going to give you shit tests, which is totally fine as well. Okay, um, and then plot lines. So the huge manifestation of this is plot lines, which is where you're creating this general drama 
between you and her throughout the entire, intera entire interaction. So some familiar plot lines you may know are things like, um, you and I won't get along, oh wait, you're actually kind of cool, maybe you're winning me over, right? Or other ones like, um, why are you being so cute? I'm trying so hard to resist women at the moment, right? Something like that. So any kind of a thing that gives, gives drama, gives tension, um, and creates the right kind of vibe is something you can do that's very, very useful. And I'm, I, this is already kind of implied in the last couple of slides, but I want to say it explicitly. Okay. And the last thing I want to say with all of this is practice. Practice, practice. So I've given you guys a whole bunch of information about um, storytelling, about carrying the conversation, about attitudes, about structures of humor, about structures of flirtation, about frames, frame control, misinterpretation, all this kind of stuff. If you go try and put all this into your next interaction, what's going to happen? <laughs> Right? Too much. Right? Use it a little at a time, understand it, grow with it, and most importantly, practice it. And the, most, the biggest part of practice is the attitude. The attitude of being fun, being lighthearted, trying new things, and just having that, that, that energy that is flirting. Remember um, the flirtation definition without serious intent. Right? It's not taking it so seriously, trying to find the play in everything, and trying to find the play, again, my little message to you guys, love words more. Try and find the play in every word and every sentence, every intonation, right? Language is very, very rich. Find the richness and start playing with it, okay? Um, and it will add joy to your life. It will add more girls. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.